Welcome, folks. This is Steve Adubato. This is the Steve Adubato Leadership Hour with my colleague, Mary Gamba. Another uh, hour of important leadership information, tips and tools and insight for the first half hour. Mary and I will be talking about the kinds of leadership challenges we all face every day. We'll be joined in just a few moments by our friend and colleague, Anthony Russo, who is the CEO of the Commerce and Industry Association of New Jersey. In the second half hour of the Leadership Hour, Mary, what can people expect? State of Affairs with Steve Adubato. It is a fantastic show program talking about the key leadership issues facing uh, our state and the region. Yeah, that is a uh, program we produce out of NJTV, our PBS partners on the New Jersey side of the river. It's a public policy program with leaders in the state of New Jersey, uh, Governor Murphy, Senator Booker, uh, Senate President Steve Sweeney, all kinds of leaders of all kinds of stripes, if you will, talking about leadership challenges. By the way, Mary, if people want to check out our website, how can they do that? They can go to stand-deliver.com. They can also follow you on Twitter, Steve Adubato, that's A-D-U-B-A-T-O, as well as on Facebook, Steve Adubato, Ph.D., And also, listeners can subscribe to our podcast by just going to Google Play or iTunes, where they can get our podcast as well. That's good stuff. By the way, before we go to uh, Tony Russo from the Commerce Industry Association, Mary, we were brainstorming about what we wanted to talk about. It's interesting. I look at my book, Lessons in Leadership, and I believe there are 24 chapters. And that's only a starting point when it comes to leadership topics. We've also searched, hey, what are the most, we actually literally searched and said, what are the most interesting, compelling leadership topics that we could explore? Because we always want to bring new, fresh material. And you came up with something that got my attention. And you said, leaders and the, quote, busy mind. Mm -hmm. What are you talking about? It is so dangerous when any of us, but most importantly, when a leader has a busy mind, if they are having a conversation like you and I are having right now with someone and they are not focused, if they're not in to the conversation, present. if they are not present, not only could they make a really bad decision, they're not listening to what the other person is saying. It turns off the other person, whether it's a team member, whether it's a prospect or a current client. And it frankly just shows that you really don't care, that you don't care enough to be present in that moment. Even if it's two minutes, give your undivided attention to that person if they're right in front of you. Don't have your phone out. Don't be looking down and handwriting something. Don't say, oh, I can do this and listen to you at the same time. That's what I mean by the busy mind. My wife, Jennifer, hopefully is listening in a very present form at 2 p.m., on Sunday at AM 970, The Answer, there have been times where my uh, wonderful, talented wife, Jennifer, uh, who runs her business called Staged and Styled, they stage homes. Okay. All right, I won't do a commercial. I've talked to her, and I'll notice she's texting or she's watching and doing something mm-hmm. else. And I'll say, Jen, I'm, I'm talking to you. She says, I'm listening to you. Mm-hmm. But it's not the message that's communicated to me, even if she hears me. Right. What is the difference between truly, for a leader or any person, listening, truly Mm -hmm. listening versus I hear you? Exactly. You can hear what someone is saying. You could easily, this just happened last night with my husband, Bill, who I'm sure is also tuned in right now and I am 970. He might be with Jennifer listening. They may be, yes, listening (laughs) together. And just last night, I was telling him a, a funny story that happened, and he's ordering and doing whatever he's doing on his phone. And I said, what did I just say? The irony was he was able to tell me what I just said. 
But he was not engaged in the conversation until I asked him, what did I just say? Not that everything that I say requires a response because then you go back and forth, but communication is a two-way street. And that means, yes, acknowledge what I've said because we don't talk that much. So when we do talk, my husband and I, be present in that moment. What does it have to do with, see, we're not doing a program, Mary and I often say this, we're not doing a program on marital relations. We are doing a program on leadership But we've also argued that great leadership is about exceptional relationship building. So connect Jennifer, my wife, Bill, your husband, two Mm -hmm. extraordinary partners. The discussions we're having about not being as present as you need to be and what the heck does it have to do with great leadership? It's got everything to do with great leadership. When we are talking about whether you're listening in a boardroom, whether you're listening to your manager or your CEO or whomever it is, really giving you instruction on what it is that needs to be done and how it needs to be done by when, you're going to miss important parts, whether it's the deadline of when it needed to be done by or specifics regarding the project or parameters. You're wasting time, and in business, you're wasting money. So, Or the nuance of a relationship about a certain person, his or her personality, mm-hmm. what makes him or her tick as you perceive it, not just a straight-up deadline, but frankly, more nuanced information. Absolutely. So being able, if you're face-to-face with someone, seeing the body language, knowing, is that person feeling anxious about whatever it is that they're asking you to do? Does that person, you know, maybe it's not that important, whatever project. So if something else does come up, you'll have that extra piece of information. So I think we've really gotten away from that truly listening, being present, not going through our mental to-do list of everything we have going on the rest of the day. or What about technology? As we talk about listening and I interrupt you, what about the impact of handheld devices and all this. Oh my gosh. Or even just when you're on a conference call, now we have the nice hands-free headsets. You know, I wear one of them when I'm at my standing desk. And when I'm on a conference call, I am so tempted to go into my email. As I'm sitting here right now talking to you, I know my emails, I pretty much can guarantee as all (laughs) of us, between 20 and 30 emails come every hour. And it's about that need to, again, we always talk about your inbox will never be empty. But it's about- That comes from Dr. Richard- Carlson in his classic iconic Mm -hmm. book called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. Exactly. And it's all small stuff. And just being present and it really is a conscious decision to be present in the moment and really be focused. And that could be in work and at home and anywhere. One more quickie on this. With our kids, you have two teenage boys, two wonderful boys. We have two teenage boys, a little girl, and I have an older son, all to one degree or another influenced tremendously by technology, distracted tremendously by technology. Without being overly philosophical, what is the potential impact on them, not just as leaders, future leaders, but as people in society who are engaged with others in interpersonal (laughs) relationships (laughs) that ground everything we do? I know that sounds like I'm Deepak Chopra getting very philosophical, but I am concerned. It is concerning. They are the future of whether it's the workforce, whatever journey they take, they are our future. They need to learn how to communicate, as you said, interpersonally with one another. That means having a conversation, not giving one word answers or even worse, using acronyms to respond to someone because everything nowadays is via text. The only good thing that I see with technology nowadays with our young adults, it is teaching them how to connect with others in a broader sense, specifically, say, on the Xbox or any of the other contraptions that are out there. They have headphones now that you wear, and you can join a party, and they're talking to their friends. That 
didn't happen 10 years ago. They were just playing by themselves on a gaming system, not learning how to invite, and I know this sounds really far out there, but invite someone to join them in the party, manage a conversation with that person as far as who's doing what, who's starting the game, who's initiating the game. So I know it's our tendency as 40, 50, 60 something year olds to really push back against what's happening with our young adults, but you can't resist it. We you can't need stop to, it, can we? You can't stop it. So you need to find the good parts about it. You need to teach your children that there's also people and the importance of communicating, but there are some good things about using technology. There are a lot. One, one, I promise one more thing on this. Leadership is also about, as we often talk about relationship building, relationships can't be built unless they're started. One of the things I have found with kids, our kids in particular, I know them better than most other kids. Our daughter Olivia is seven turning eight as we do this program, personable, charming, tough, strong, but I also noticed she's on this new swim team. And she was saying how hard it is to, quote, make friends. And I said, Olivia, why don't you just walk up to one of the kids and say, hi, I'm Olivia. Um, I just joined the swim team. What's your name? And she looked at me as if I said, why don't you go on that diving board, do a 360 gainer. I don't even know what that is, Brian Brodeur. And then swim all the way across the pool holding your breath like it was the most impossible thing in the world she goes dad kids we don't do that our son chris turning 14 as we do this program in just a couple days starting playing football which i have concerns about at seton hall prep dad it's hard to get to know kids chris would you take your helmet off could you walk into the weight room could you walk and say hi i'm chris i just joined the team what's your name he doesn't know the coach's names all the time he doesn't know a lot of the kids names I don't think it's just our kids. Why is it so hard for them just to introduce themselves to other people? And what does that have to do with leadership? Because they are going to have to introduce themselves to people for the rest of their lives. However, we cannot forget our role as parents. We can't assume that they were born able to put a hand out. Now, certain kids are. My son, Joey, Joey who is, is 14. Incredible. He walks up to anyone and starts a conversation. To the, it's, it's to a fault. And he will introduce himself as the better son, as the best child, as whatever. Hold on. You have Will, who's yes. older. Will is older. Joey walks up and says. Literally the other day we had someone come over. Uh, they were doing work on the house. And he said, hi, I'm Joey. I'm the favorite son in the house. And he will seriously walk up and shake adults' hands to the point that the adult feels a little awkward. Why is this 13-year-old who's five foot one coming up Mr. Confident and the adult is often thrown off? That is not the norm. But it's confidence. By the way, you're listening to Mary Gamba. This is Steve Adubato. This is the Steve Adubato and Mary Gamba mm-hmm. Leadership Hour. We're talking about Joey Gamba and his incredible confidence. Yes, Exactly. But that could and also leadership get, traits. yes. And that could also get people into trouble. But on the flip side, though, I would say 80% plus of young adults today, and I, I see a lot because now they are 13 and 16. I've seen them grow, I've seen their friends grow. The level of confidence that it takes to introduce yourself and make new friends, it takes a lot to do that. So as parents, we need to teach them. We need to encourage them. Like you said, you're not going to take them to the tip of the diving board and say, all right, now you need to dive off. You're going to explain to them the process first. You're going to role play the process. Walk before they run. Walk before they run. And I think sometimes we lose that as parents. We have this level of expectation that, hey, we're confident. We can go up and talk Mm. to anybody. They should be able to do it too. But did you teach them? And again, that's in the workforce. If it's a new employee, it's the same thing. You need to teach them. We talked about this earlier. 
if there's a level of expectation that some of our new team members should be doing X, Y, and Z, yep. they should be more proactive. They should be. Uh, I was just saying to Mary, with, I want our people. They're talented. They're great. They're hardworking. I, I want them to be even more proactive. Come up with more ideas. Be creative. Say, you know what? I was just thinking, why don't we do this? And Mary, you said mm-hmm. they're not mind readers. If that level of expectation is there, now sure, you're going to get that Joey in the workforce as well, who is just going to be that firecracker that's going to rule the world and figure things Joey's out. Joey's not going to be wait own. to be told what to do. Never. Never, ever, ever. And he's always thinking of new things. And, you know, he taught himself how to make sushi and play eight different instruments. And <laughs> he's writing a book. And you can't stop that kid. But that is not the norm. And it's not about bragging about our kids because he's got a million faults. But there are countless others who need to be told you can fly. You can try different things. Not that you can. Things. We need you to fly. We need you to. But you need to say that to them. You can't be spiteful because they're not doing it if you never told them that they have the ability to do it. <sighs> wow. Deep. Deep. Very deep. That's what the leadership hour is with Steve Adubato and Mary Gamba. Sometimes it gets deep and you're asking yourself, why are we talking about our kids? Why are we talking about our spouses? Why are we talking about listening, being present, technology, personality traits? Who can walk up to whom and introduce themselves and build relationships? Because a lot of leadership is about making personal connections, about having the courage and the confidence to handle yourself in a certain way. And not everyone has the DNA like Joey Gamba, Mary's son, to be able to do it. And they're all different. By the way, speaking of different leaders, why don't we go to the phones every week on the Leadership Hour on AM 970, the answer at 2 p.m. on Sundays. Uh, Steve Adubato here with Mary Gamba. We invite a leader to come on and share his or her views about uh, how they got to be the leader that they are and what they've learned from their successes, from the mistakes they've made. And Mary, why don't we set this up? Who are we going to be joined by? Absolutely. We are going to be joined by Tony Russo. He is the president of Commerce and Industry Association of New Jersey, as well as the CEO and publisher of Commerce Magazine. So I look forward to chatting with him. Let's check out our friend, Tony Russo, right after this. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Steve Adubato here with my colleague, Mary Gamba. We're pleased to welcome our longtime friend, Anthony Russo, president of the Commerce and Industry Association of New Jersey and the CEO, publisher of a great magazine that I look forward to every time it comes out, Commerce Magazine. Good to talk to you, Tony. How you doing, buddy? Good. Thank you, Steve. And thank you, Mary. And uh, we appreciate our partnership and congratulations on uh, the radio show. Yeah, thanks it's, for being a good partner. Well, thanks, Tony. And by the way, when Tony talks about partnership, we cross-promote on the on the broadcast side, on the television side. I've contributed to Tony's, to the magazine, and, and they've been great with us. They promote our stuff as well. But, Tony, let me ask you this. One of the subjects we have not explored in the Leadership Hour that I want to talk with you about is culture, the role of a leader in shaping the culture of an organization. I'll tell you what I mean. You uh, succeeded a longtime leader, John Galendak, at the Commerce and Industry Association. You worked there at the time, but you were not the CEO. Then you took on the role of being CEO. You were always a leader, but how challenging is it to succeed someone who is an iconic figure? Because it happens in lots of organizations. What was your approach as a leader when you took that on? Yeah, it's a great question. And obviously, John was president for 11 years, was with the association for 33 years. And mm. here I am, only five <laughs> years in with the association. This is my second year as president. And I think the, you got to be true to yourself. So I knew I wasn't going to be able to, you know, 
basically be a John Galandak. It was about, okay, what does Tony Russo now add to the mix, and, and how do I want to lead? And I think as a leader, what you want to do is you want to be a good listener, and it kind of sounds like a cliche. People usually say, hey, you have to listen. But I literally, the first thing I did, and we have 12 people here that work for the association, and I sat down with each one of them. Uh, some of them that have been here for 30 years, 18 years, 13 years. So I listened to what they had to say. Well, what is it that you haven't done that you would want to do? What excites you? And, and once you listen to them, I think it's important that you set your own vision uh, through. We have a, a board of directors and an executive committee. But I think as a leader, you want to be a good listener, a good communicator, but you better have a vision of where you want to take the organization. And you want to be able to you know, have your team accept that vision mm. and have people that report, you know, that you report to accept your vision and say, here's where I think we should be and here's why. So that's the, one of the first few things that I did was talk to everybody, but also establish a vision. And you said culture, and I think culture is very important, is, you know, everybody's got a different personality on how they want to lead. And my personality is transparent, direct. Uh, people think I'm shot out of a cannon, right, which is good, <laughs> right? Basically keep that quite patient. Let's take it to the next level. Right. John took it to a certain level, but I wanted to take it to another level. How do we get there? So let, 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 me, Tony, let, me, let me jump in here because you're really touching on a fascinating topic. Tony Russo, who is the leader of the commerce, uh, the CEO of the Commerce Industry Association, the president of the Commerce Industry Association and the publisher and CEO of Commerce Magazine. Uh, by the way, uh, tell folks your website, Tony, so people can check it out. Yeah, C-I-A-N-J.org. C-I-A-N-J.org. So here it is, Tony. You opened up the Pandora's box. You come in. You replace someone who's been there a long time. And by the way, this is for any leader listening out there right now. Steve Adubato here, Mary Gamba with Tony Russo on the line. What's the downside of saying, listen, before I listen to any of you, let me tell you my direction. Let me tell you where we're going. Let me tell you what changes we need to make. What's the downside of coming in shot out of a canyon, your words, not mine, and saying, here's where we're going and why? What's the downside? Well, the downside is if you just come in that way, shot out of a cannon, and don't listen, but yet you just want to manage a certain way without trying to understand where each employee is coming from, then you're doing a disservice, I think not only to yourself, but to that employee and to the organization. So it's not about you, right? So it's not about the Whoa, whoa, back about, up. What do you mean it's not about us? We're the leaders, Tony. Well, <laughs> you, we're the leaders, so you're almost like the head coach, right? Not to sound cliche, but it's you're the team leader. You can't do it on your own. You basically need every member of your team to be successful because if they're successful, if they're happy, you'll be successful, you'll be happy. And, you know, and that's the hard part is when you assume that management title, when you assume those responsibilities, if you think you're going to be able to do it on your own, you're going to fail. Yeah, and Tony, oh, I'm the, sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying that you have to have the uh, the team with you, and, and they have to believe in you, and they have to respect you. You have to respect them, and uh, you want to try to get to the, the finish line together as a team and not as an individual. I was just going to say, Tony, and that's all very true when it comes down to leading in that fashion. Doesn't that have a lot to do with trust, that you need to trust your people, that you need to give them the ability to do and to lead as their own league of leaders, if you will? Yes. Good point, Mary, because one of the things that you want to do is empower the team, right? Each team member is make them feel that him or her, that they matter, that their opinion matters. They should share that opinion. Sometimes you're not going to agree with it, right? And you, you're basically, at the end of the day, it's on you as far as whether or not you accept somebody's position or thoughts or ideas. But 
you want them to not feel like they can't share mm. that thought or opinion. So it's important to empower them and to put them on a track where they feel personal, professional development. Real quick follow-up. All you do is you have a, a robot coming in. Sorry for interrupting, Tony. Um, Steve Adubato here, Mary Gamma, and Tony Russo on the line from the Commerce and Industry Association. Tony, what about when you come in you go, okay, I'm building my team. I've seen a lot of people come in, a lot of leaders come in, or people come in as new leaders, and the first thing is, I got to bring in my own people. I've got to put my own stamp on this because if I don't do this in that way and I don't bring in my people, people are confused and I'm not really a strong leader. You say? I say it's the wrong approach, and I'll tell you why. I mean, and the example is I've been here only five years. This is an association that's been around for 91 years. Hmm. We have some good quality people on the team that have that history, have that perspective, and shame on you if you don't try to understand where they're coming from. And if you think you're going to come in, reestablish everything, hit that reset button, it's going to be a disaster. I mean, it's almost a recipe for failure. What you want to do as a good leader is you want to basically understand what you're coming into, understand what works, what doesn't work. And if something doesn't work, understand why it doesn't work. And try to work with your team and also the people that you report to. In our case, it's a board of directors. And understand, well, mm. what, what's our vision? Where do we want this association to be? And right. so I think that's just the wrong recipe coming in and trying to bring in your own team. But with that said, it's important too, right? Because sometimes, you know, people move on and everything. And you say, oh, okay, now here's an opportunity. Do I rebrand that position? Do I want to add more responsibilities or sure. take things away? And that's the pros and the cons of, you know, people coming in and on. By the way, real quick, uh, one of the things about Commerce Magazine that I particularly love every time we get it, and, and you should check it out at the website, CIANJ.org? .org. .org. And the thing about the magazine I love is Tony sets up these roundtables with hospital healthcare executives, with banking executives, accounting executives, legal people from the legal field, and they're all leaders. And Tony and his team are putting out challenging questions to them at these forums, and then the transcripts or excerpts, if you will, wind up in the magazine. And it's great stuff. Do you intentionally, real quick, before I let you go, Tony, do you intentionally, you don't call them leadership forums, but they're all leaders who come together to talk about challenging, difficult issues, right? Yeah, and we call them forums, and I call them wow events, right? You want the thought leaders there, you want the industry leaders, and you want to ask them the questions that the, the attendees, it's a really important for the attendees to walk away with that feeling like I learned something I didn't know before I got here today and so that they could use back at their own company. So, yeah, I mean, it's intentional. We try to target uh, the thought leaders out there, the industry leaders, and bring them together. We like to say that our events are like bridges between businesses, right, bring those businesses together and have that frank discussion. And the best advertisement mm-hmm. out there is when people say, wow, I really learned a lot at a CIA event. You know, it's a can't-miss event, and we hope that they then turn to their clients, their work colleagues, mm-hmm. and say, you know what? You should join CINJ, and that's a win-win for everybody. By the way, uh, before we let Tony go, uh, Mary, one of the best, I don't even want to call it a book signings, but we did a leadership forum with the Commerce and Industry Association with uh, when the book was coming out, Lessons in Leadership, which you can check out on our website, stand-deliver.com. Tony and his team put together a great forum with leaders. I think Mike Marin from Holy Name was on, uh, Kevin Cummings. Um, oh, who else was there? Uh, oh, it was uh, Kathy Waldron from William Patterson University. The yes. president, that's right. And someone from, and I was, think, uh, was it AT&T? It was PSC, no, it was PSC&G. Uh, oh, it was Ralph, Ralph LaRosa. Ralph LaRosa. Oh, my God. Ralph He's got a good memory. <laughs> um, You're good, Tony. And by the way, so uh, what I'm saying is all those leaders came together. It was great stuff. I want to thank you for that, Tony. I want to thank you for joining us on the uh, Leadership Hour with Steve Adubato and Mary Gamba. And also thank you 
for being our partner and everything that you do on behalf of the business community in the state of New Jersey. Thanks, Tony. Well, thank you, Mary. Thank you, Steve. And uh, all the best to you with the radio show. Got it. Thank you for having me on. You got it. That was Tony Russo, Commerce and Industry Association. This is Steve Adubato. That's Mary Gambon. We'll be right back right after this. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. That was fascinating listening to uh, Tony, uh, Anthony Russo from Commerce and Industry Association. Mary, we've worked with, in our company, Stand and Deliver. Uh, by the way, our website? Stand-deliver.com. And Twitter and Facebook. Let's get it out of the way. Sure. Steve Adubato. That's A-D-U-B-A-T-O. And then on Facebook, Steve Adubato, Ph.D. And I would also like to thank New Jersey Resources for bringing this episode of the Leadership Hour to our listeners on AM 970. They're making it possible. New Jersey Resources with their great CEO, Larry Downs, who I believe was our first guest on the he Leadership was. Hour New Jersey Resources is, in fact, our first and most significant sponsor out of the box. They will not be our last. Mm -hmm. But Tony Russo, one of the things he was talking about that I want to follow up with you on and that a lot of people listening right now in the Leadership Hour uh, have to deal with is a new leader. Tony replaced a longtime leader. We've worked with uh, – we're working with a bank who has a relatively new young CEO who replaced a longtime CEO. There are other companies we're consulting and coaching in right now who the CEO is – gone, new one comes in, he or she has to set the new agenda, the new direction, their brand, et cetera, et cetera. But Tony said he listened first and sat down with everyone before he established and told them his vision. What comes first, the chicken or the egg or the listening or the talking? It's a tough call. And I loved hearing Tony's perspective when it comes down to the culture of an organization. You want to be careful when you're going in as a new leader of an organization, whether it's a bank, whether it's a publishing company, whether it's a whatever that business is, a college or a university. You need to go in and, of course, you need to set the tone that you are the new leader of the organization. There's but a new sheriff in town. There is. But all of those people that have been there on that team for 5, 10, 15, maybe even 20 years – they deserve and have earned the respect of you going and sitting down and hearing what they have to say. Of course, there's going to be a time for the Tony Russos of the world and for anyone to lay down their vision, mission for the future of the organization. But to do that first without hearing from the people that have really made that organization run uh, for, in some cases, really decades I think that it is important to do that and to have that face time and to just let them know that I am going to hear you. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to listen to everything that everyone says. You in can terms listen. Of, you can listen, but, but you, will, you may not make your decisions just based on the things that you've heard, but you will tuck them away because what you don't want to do is go in and, hey, it's my shop now and you're going to follow what I say because you could definitely jeopardize and you can lose some people. Yeah, Steve Adubato here with Mary Gamma. This is the Leadership Hour on AM 970, The Answer. Follow up on, on this point. One of the things that I have found in organizations when a new leader takes over, he or she will often, <clears throat> let's just say, I've seen this, you've seen it too. They raise the bar. Someone's been there 10, 15, 20 plus years, maybe 30 years. They're comfortable. They're good at what they do. But they become somewhat complacent. The new leader comes in. He or she, sooner or later, after listening, 
doing town meetings, <laughs> having all these conversations, engaging people, says, all right, here's the deal. Here's the new standard. Here's the new bar. It's higher than what it was before. In order for us to compete in the marketplace, we have to expect more from each one of you. Therefore, we have a new system of evaluating people. We have a new system of giving bonuses or not giving bonuses. The way you're going to be promoted is not simply based on longevity and survival in the organization. It's based on productivity. And all of a sudden, this is not hypothetical. You see people freaking out. You see people panicking. You see people saying, I really like the way it used to be. Why can't we go back to that? And we can't. The genie's out of the bottle. There is a new leader. I have seen, you have seen, and we have coached people, not just the new leader, but the people in the organization who are doers. I'll do what I'm told to an extent. Mm -hmm. But if what they're asked to do is to step up and be more entrepreneurial, more creative, more of a leader... They can't and they won't, but they won't admit it because they don't want to lose their job and their pension and they got bills to pay and kids to feed and colleges to send them to. What does a leader do? That's a good one. Because some of them can't stay. As Jim Collins said, I know I've said this right. before in his book, Good to Great, mm -hmm. there may not be a seat on the bus for everyone going mm -hmm. in a new direction. Exactly. And there is a place for, I believe, when a new leader, there is that time when the leader does have to express his or her vision for the organization. Once they do. And if it is going in an entirely different direction and once in they communicate areas. that in certain areas, frankly, if there's a certain team member that's going to be resisting and not on board, and as we always say, if they're not going to buy into whatever. Say they say they buy in, but their performance level just isn't there. It's one they got to go. They, they're really they, nice people, though, Mary. Well, that's great. We're all nice people. We all have kids that we have to feed, but there is a, you know, there's a lid for every pot, and maybe it's their time to find a new professional journey. And that leader does have to make that tough decision at that point to really determine who are the right people to bring that organization forward with his or her new vision. I'm it's not it easy. Harder. I'm going to make it harder for you. You listen to Mary Gammon the last two minutes we have. Mary, the person who is not stepping up, the person who's not performing, the person who's not meeting the new standards based on the new CEO, the new leader that comes in, he or she has a very sick spouse or child and they really need this job. Well, why don't you give me an easy question? <laughs> That's no, I'm impossible. Sorry. Only, by the way, mm -hmm. it's because it's real and I see it. And, sure. I, and when I have to coach to it, I sit there and I'm thinking, what the heck do I tell this person? So mm -hmm. go ahead. I know it's case by case. It is case by case. In different cases, I would totally handle that in a lot of different ways. If you're going the true empathetic leader, you want to try to help that person, you may even go as far as trying to find them a better place. Even if it's not within your organization, you may network on their behalf. You may reach out to people that you know and say, listen, this person is not a good fit for the culture of this organization. This person doesn't, hold on, this person isn't stepping up and kicking butt if, for us, all right. but I'd like to Two refer them to you. If that person is not stepping up and not doing his or her job, you know how I feel about that. I am not one to You're hardcore. Give, I am hardcore. And that goes across every part of my being. If you are not showing up every day, if you are not giving 100%. Not just showing up. I don't care, and the and we'll probably get a lot of hate email on this one, but I don't care if you've got a sick family member. You still need to do your job. And as a leader? You, as a leader. Which is what? To let them go? And it may not even be, it may not be as severe as a sick family member. Maybe they've got six kids because they chose to have six kids That's and they right. need to put them through college. 
And I hate to say it this way, but as a leader- And their mortgage is on the line, Mary. It's not my problem. We all go oh to work God. every day. I know, right? The nice Mary is just totally out the window I just said here. they had a mortgage, and the, we I can't let them mortgage, lose that house. And you want to know what? I work my tail off every single day, as, as does my husband, and we are teaching our children to do the same, that you, know, you need to, if you want something, you go out and you work hard for it. Because just sitting there and asking for someone to help you, if you're not giving 100% yourself- I'm sorry. That's when, as a leader, you need to make that decision. Wow. I know. That is Mary Gamba. This is Steve Adubato. This is the Steve Adubato, soon to be called the Mary Gamba Leadership Hour. (laughs) (laughs) I swear I'm a nice person. She is a nice person, but man, does she have high standards. And I hope you don't have a mortgage to pay and kids to put through school and hope everyone's healthy in your family. Because Well, do your job and then you can keep your job. There's going to be a new sign in Mary's office that says, do your job, then you can keep your job. Exactly. Well said. Mary Gamba, Steve Adubato, this is the Leadership Hour. This is also on the greatest radio station in the New York, New Jersey market, AM 970, The Answer, every Sunday at 2 p.m. The uh, Steve Adubato and Mary Gamba Leadership Hour. We'll check you out next time. This is Mary Gamba. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with State of Affairs with Steve Adubato where we look at the most pressing issues facing the state of New Jersey. This edition of the Steve Adubato Leadership Hour has been made possible by New Jersey Resources. Hi, I'm Chris Giamo, and at TD Bank, we believe all citizens need to be informed about the important financial issues that affect their daily lives. That's why we're proud to support programming produced by the Caucus Educational Corporation. State of Affairs with Steve Adubato is brought to you from the Agnes Veris NJTV studio at 2 Gateway. Funding has been provided by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, the Turrell Fund, supporting right from the start NJ, New Jersey Sharing Network, dedicated to saving lives through organ and tissue donation, TD Bank, PSCNG, committed to providing safe, reliable energy now and in the future. St. Joseph's Health, a passion for healing. It's what's inside us. And by Adler Aphasia Center, helping stroke and brain injury survivors recover their speech. Welcome to State of Affairs. I'm Steve Adubato. We are, in fact, coming to you from the Agnes Veris NJTV studio in Brick City, Newark, New Jersey. It is my honor, pleasure to introduce for the first time on State of Affairs, Sue Fulton, who is chair and chief administrator, New Jersey Motor Vehicle Commission. Good to see you, chief. Thanks so much, Steve. Happy to be here. Uh, You're at a cocktail party. Someone says, what exactly do you do? How do you answer that? <laughs> I say I run all the DMVs <laughs> in New Jersey because everybody knows what the DMV is. Right. Even though that's, you know, we've been Motor Vehicle Commission for, you know, since 2005 a or something. A bit of a branding issue? Well, you know, I've, he- talked to, I've talked to motor vehicle administrators across the country. <laughs> they all have the same issue. They call it whatever, but people know the DMV. The responsibilities so include? Break that down for us. Um, Primarily, it's licensing and registration. Now, licensing includes not just your individual license that everybody's familiar with, but the commercial driver's license as well. And, uh, um, and there are any number of endorsements, depending on the kind of, uh, kind of vehicle that you're licensed to drive. Um, and then registration's the same thing, title, lien, registrations, all of the things in that category. 
You know, technology, um, anyone who's been out there, and we all have to do what we are supposed to do as it relates to our cars and their safety and uh, renewing our license, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm curious, how has technology, say in the last five years, just five, three to five years, changed the way you and your colleagues work? Well, that's a dicey question because... Why? Because technology changes, but keep in mind, motor vehicles, and this isn't just New Jersey, this is across the United States, motor vehicles has some 60, 70 years of data. And, and most states have this data stored in mainframes that date back, um, usually to like the 70s or the, you know, maybe early 80s. So um, the upside, the, the downside of that is obvious, you're talking about you're talking about hardware that's that's dated, mm -hmm. but by the same token, you're also talking about um, hardware that's very secure, that's very very tough to invade or to hack. So we are not at the same place with information technology that that you know corporations might be, um, because you know this is a massive amount of data mm. um, that that we're keeping safe. Uh, by the same token, there are so many different. Um, uh, developments that have influenced us. Right now, there are states that are looking at mobile driver licenses, meaning you having, your, having your driver license on your phone. So the data is secured, but um, so let's say um, you get pulled over, your, your phone gets pinged with a request from law enforcement, um, you know, what's your, to release your driver license, you give that permission, and before the, the officer gets to your car, he can take a look at that, at that license and review everything, so he knows that everything's on the up and up, this is your vehicle, because he's looking at your license plate, um, and then uh, 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 he's already got that information. The other thing with a mobile driver license, and I'm, now I'm selling technology that we're no, not ready to move I'm, to. But, 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 but it is, do certain states actually do this? There are pilot programs with okay. a mobile driver license. So as opposed to across the Maryland. state, Maryland's right. piloting it. Right, right. Everybody's do do you folks talk to each other about better, better ways to do what you do? Absolutely. Um, you know, the American Association of Motor Vehicle Administrators um, is a national organization. Uh, the people who are running it are people who've had years of experience in this area, in this arena. Um, and yeah, the administrators as well as their senior staff, we talk to each other about best practices. The thing about moving technology mm. is that, you know, we can't we can't put the car in the shop to change all the technology, mm. right? Because um, a we're servicing, you know, we're serving million, a million, millions of transactions every year. Millions. Transactions Absolutely. every year. So, you know, we close, look at the impact when we have a, a, a computer outage, as we've had, um, and people can't get served. There are, there are a number of New Jerseyans who are inconvenienced by that. So we have to keep our services going while we do upgrades. We're fixing the car while it's moving, <laughs> right? I love it. So as a consequence, a lot of us, as I said, in all the states, you know, we're, we're a little bit behind, but we're looking at ways, particularly New Jersey, to do that in a reasonable and practical way. By the way, let's put up uh, the website for the Motor Vehicle Commission. We are, in fact, speaking to Sue Fulton, who is the chair uh, excuse me, the chief, I apologize. The chief, chair and chief administrator. So chief, I got yes. it. The, the chief of uh, the Motor Vehicle Commission in the state. I, I was telling you before we got in the air that we've been involved in public awareness and education around organ and tissue donation with some folks at the Sharing Network that you know very well. The one thing that keeps, and by the way, there are thousands, literally thousands of uh, New Jerseyans and many, many more Americans um, waiting for um, 
an organ to survive, to live. What exactly is the process in terms of your renewing of the license and what can you do? I've loaded a question, I know we're talking about technology. Can they actually go online and register as an organ donor? You absolutely can, Steve. And to, let me talk about sure. when you go in for your initial license or you go into an agency for your renewal, there's a signature pad there and it will prompt you, do you want to be an organ donor? Straight up, yes or no? That's right. That's right. It's that easy. And if you say yes, that's recorded on your card and you're registered in the, in the National Registry as well. Now, say you haven't opted to be an organ donor in the past. Do you want to change that? Eh, your license isn't expiring. You're not really due for renewal. You can still go online. Even if you have not registered as an organ donor in the past, you could do it even if you're not up for renewal. That's exactly right. You can go okay. online. And in fact, the law was passed that, that Okay, other changes to your driver license, if you're not due, you can't, will cost you money. Changing your status as an organ donor costs you nothing, nothing. You go in, you change that, you know, I now want to be reflected as an organ donor, and that, that will be changed. We will send your information to the National Registry of Organ Donors um, so that they're aware of that, uh, and that costs you nothing. By the way, we are, in fact, speaking to Sue Fulton, the uh, chief of New Jersey Motor Vehicle Commission. I was saying I happen to go where I live. East Orange is closest to me. And I like that the people are great there and everything's fine. But for people who say, you know what? Those lines, and there were times, and there have been times, sure. that they're really long. Mm -hmm. What specifically is being done to ameliorate that? That, that's a great question, Stephen. There's not a magic wand we can wave that's going to that's going to alleviate the the weights at, at motor vehicles. It's a lot of little improvements that we need to make. Now, uh, there are some IT improvements. You know, you mentioned IT earlier. Uh, there was in in the past administration, uh, they touted a you know a transformation project that was going to modernize all our systems. What ended up happening was all those resources were diverted to Real ID. And if I might talk about Real ID sure. for a minute, Real ID is going to be the new federal standard for identification. So as of October of 2020, if you want to fly domestically, mm. or if you want to enter a federal facility, a military facility, or for certain federal benefits, for federal purposes, you need to meet the Real ID standard. That requires changes on our part at, at Motor Vehicle Commission. So it is a priority that we have to convert over to, to Real ID, um, huge IT lift. That said, all of the modernization efforts that had been talked about and planned, um, all, those, all that funding and resources went into Real ID. So we haven't done the kinds of modernization we need to do. Modernization that would, for instance, allow you to schedule appointments. Um, as opposed to just going cold. As opposed to just going in and then standing on that line and waiting. Um, there, are, there are some IT projects that would allow you to do more online. Now, I will say, right now, uh, the use of our online services, for instance, you can... Got a few seconds left. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Renew your registration. Use of online services is, what is very low. You're saying you can renew your, your registration, registration online. Don't even go to Hold the... Hold on. Don't I, I'm due for my license. I can't do it online. I have to go to... I just want to clarify. I have to go to one of the offices. Okay. Every, but registration is different. Two things. One, registration is different. I don't want to make this about me. I just know there's a lot of other people dealing with this. Go ahead. Let's make it about you, Steve. No, don't. No, no. Okay, okay, okay. No, registration renewal, you can do online. You go online okay. with that. Put the website up. With that envelope. With that envelope you get. It's got a PIN number. You go online. You renew your registration online. Now, driver renewals, every four years you have to renew that driver yep. license, they gotta right? they got to see you. Only every eight years. 
Really? Only every eight years. So what will happen is you're ready for a driver license renewal, you'll get another envelope, and right. on there it'll say skip the trip, mail this All in, right. and you mail it in. You don't have to go and in. And you find that on the website? It's up there right Absolutely. now. Can we find that out? Skip the trip for your driver license All renewal right. and registration renewals online. You are the chief, uh, Chief Sue Fulton, who is... Uh, the chair and chief administrator, New Jersey Motor Vehicle Commission. I promise you I will get to where I need to go and take care of it. And by the way, everybody else do the right thing. You bet. Thank you very much, Chief. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so Steve. much. Stay right there. All right. See how we matched? We coordinate. We right did. We worked this right out. No, we didn't. Right back right after this. <laughs> to see more State of Affairs with Steve Adubato programs, visit us online at stateofaffairsnj.org. If you would like to express an opinion, email us at info at caucusnj.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PhD. And follow us on Twitter at Steve Adubato. He's back again, Dr. Joe Marbach, uh, president, Georgia and Court University. Good to see you, doctor. Great to be here, Steve. Thanks. You and I have a lot of offline conversations about the mood, political discourse, polarization in our nation. Do I make too much of it? I don't think so, Steve. I, I've never seen politics this strained in, in the 30 years that I've been studying. And you're a political it. scientist. Political scientist by training, yes. So, And then uh, just applying it and seeing how it affects our students. Um, you know, uh, in, at college campuses, it used to be depression was the number one issue for mental health. Now it's anxiety. And about? Everything. You know, they're worried about the jobs they're going to get, but they're worried about the political climate. Uh, the worried election. about conversations going on in North Korea? Yeah, you know, and who's pointing missiles means. at them and That's those real. sorts of things. That's real for people. It is, and it's, but I think a generation grew up with it as almost the norm, and then we, we, we dialed back that nuclear threat, you know, whatever the Cold mm. War was. And now all of a sudden it's reemerged. And, you know, you've got shooting in high schools and metal detectors and things that a whole generation of folks never grew up with that this generation of students are facing on a daily basis. At Georgian Court. To what degree are you able to facilitate an environment or create an environment where there's open dialogue with different points of view politically where people can feel, dare I use the word safe, Joe? Well, we, we try to be safe, at least within the conversation, and we certainly are physically safe. Georgian Court yep. is one of the safest campuses Tell in New Jersey. where you are, by the way. We're down in Lakewood, New Jersey, so uh, in Ocean County, just on the edge of, uh, of uh, uh, Monmouth County. Right. Um, but so we have a safe physical place, but it's a place where you can exchange ideas in a safe way and not be insulted. You know, one of your leadership pieces was about leaders recognizing differences in others and not mocking other folks. Are you the one who read it? I might be. <laughs> yeah, I, I write a column on, on, on leadership, and, and I am fascinated by the name-calling, the mocking, but I am fascinated also by the role of higher education in all this. You and I, Joe's been a part of so many of our conversations about affordability in higher education, uh, the partnering, if you will, of higher ed institutions, four-year institutions with two-year institutions, et cetera. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that in a second. But what do you see as the role of higher education in the current environment? Well, it's teaching people how to listen and Even express differences. And disagree, to, to disagree but not be disagreeable. I think that's, that's the key. We can disagree but not be disagreeable. So let me understand your point of view and give me the same courtesy. Understand my point of view and why we're different, where we can come together. And in some areas, we may just agree to disagree. Mm. Let's talk a little bit about Georgian Court. I was mentioning the uh, whole two- and four-year initiative. Any of that going on with you guys? Oh, we're 
we're at the forefront of it. I've got six arrangements with community colleges to transfer. Two-year schools. Two-year schools, our, our local two-year schools. Well, 60% of my undergraduate students are transfer students. So Georgian Court is very different than a traditional four-year school. We're not always looking at 18-year-olds. We're bringing in 20-year-olds. And so we've had a, a long-standing partnership with Brookdale Community College. That's down um, the shore, right? Down the shore, right? It's in uh, Monmouth County. We're teaching courses at their Hazlitt campus. Uh, we're working with their students to come in from their main campus and transfer right into uh, our Lakewood campus. So we're there. Uh, we've signed recent agreements with Cumberland County where we offer a bachelor's in social work degree on their site for the mm -hmm. needs of that community. And we're spreading out throughout New Jersey. By the way, Jack, you remind me of that. Uh, Dr. Marbach's going to be joining us with uh, Dr. Stout. Dr. Is Stout, it? Dave Stout. Yeah. From Brookdale. He just was named president of Brookdale. So we're talking about the two- and four-year school situation. Let me try this. The higher education issue. We actually have a roundtable coming up with some hospital presidents about this, about affordability. Is the affordability crisis, if you will, the ability to afford college, is it getting any better, Joe? It, in some ways, some ways it is, uh, especially for students at the lower socioeconomic end. Uh, New Jersey is very generous with our tuition assistant grants, the TAG grants. Right. And when you have a student that can apply a TAG grant and a Pell grant, and if they have very, very low income levels, they can get to about half the tuition of a Georgian court. And then we'll meet them with some merit aid. They'll be able to take in some loans, reasonable loans, about $4,000 a year, so that they can graduate with manageable debt and we can put them into a career where they're going to be able to pay that debt. And we like to brag about the values we instill in our students, and we have a very low default rates on student loans mm. as they come through the system. So we're trying to make it more affordable, and these two-year partnerships allow us to do that. Just one quick commercial sure. message. If a student goes to... It's PBS. Watch that. Watch it. Right? <laughs> if a student goes to Brookdale Community College for their first two years, they pay about $10,000. If that student then transfers to the Hazlitt location at of Georgian Court, they'd pay about $15,000 a year each year after that. So for about $40,000 a year, a student can get a four-year degree between Brookdale and Georgian Court. By the way, uh, we are speaking to Joe Marbach, Dr. Joe Marbach. When he was at a previous institution of higher learning, he was always with us talking about political issues that happened to be Seton Hall yes. University. But he is now the president. For how long have you been the president of Georgian it's Court? just finished my third year. Congratulations. Um, and by the way, we work closely with Georgian Court as one of the institutions of higher learning that helps us do what we do here. Real quick on this, there is a collaboration. I've been expanding your operation into Hunterton County. What does that mean? Well, uh, we're working with the developers who are... Well, down the Jersey Shore. We were, but uh, part of my job is to make Georgian Court a regional university, and so we're expanding our footprint. And so now we're offering classes in seven different counties. We've been offering our graduate education programs in school districts in... Essex, in Mercer County, uh, in Union County. We're in Ocean and Monmouth Counties, and we're in Middlesex Is geography counties. a problem there? It's not a problem, but what we're, we've done is our philosophy is take our product to where our students are. Take the education. Oh, bring it there. Bring it there, yes. Oh, so they don't have, have to go to... No, so we're offering hybrid classes. We're offering classes right in the districts, and we see Hunterdon County as an area of opportunity. Hunterdon County is the only county in New Jersey without a two- or four-year institution within the That's county the boundaries. One. That's the one. They send their students to Raritan Valley, and we just signed a partnership with Raritan Valley Community College so that we can meet some of the needs and develop in downtown D Flemington. Dr. Joe Marbach, before I let you go, online programs growing? They are growing, yes, and they've grown up organically. I'm so proud of our faculty that have taken... The 
the bull by the horn to meet the students where they're where they are. We'll be uh, Joe Marrock will be joining us uh, on our sister program one on one, except it'll be one on two. You will be with again President Dr. Dave Stout. Stout. Yes. Uh, Joe Morbach, President, Dr. Joe Morbach, President of Georgian Court University. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, Steve. Good we to see you. We politics on and off the air right back right after this. To see more State of Affairs with Steve Adubato programs, visit us online at stateofaffairsnj.org. If you would like to express an opinion, email us at info at caucusnj.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PhD and follow us on Twitter at Steve Adubato. State of Affairs is pleased to welcome uh, Cecilia Zalkan, who is uh, President and CEO, Advocates for Children of New Jersey. Cecilia, you've been with us many times. You love every time you're with us. <laughs> I do. <laughs> uh, but this is a continua continuation of a conversation we've been having in connection to an initiative, a public awareness initiative called Right From The Start NJ. You'll see the website that's uh, coming up right as we speak. Go on the website, find out more information. All about helping infants, toddlers, zero to three, if you will. Why is it such a pressing issue? Well, we know so much more now about how babies grow and develop and how important those early years are. That's the time of the greatest brain development. A lot of things that happen in the future, for good and bad, are set in those early years. Yeah. You just, uh, not too long ago, we're doing this right before the state budget is supposed to be struck, we hope. Uh, last day of June, but last month, was last month or earlier in June? Strolling, uh, uh, Rolling Thunder. Strolling Thunder was so, May strolling 21st. Thunder. Rolling th was, isn't it with the motorcycles, the other one? Yes. No, but, they're Strolling Thunder, but, too. But this is Strolling, okay, Strolling Thunder. This is the Think Babies national campaign, all part of it, uh, courtesy of our great friends here at NJTV News. This is a clip from a story that I think Andrew Smirts did the story, a great story from NJTV News. This sets up this walk, this demonstration, this message that's being delivered down in the State House, and we'll come back and talk to Seal. Here we go. Based on the theory that bringing cute kids to a political rally is a good way to get attention, a coalition of state child advocacy groups strolled to the Capitol to call on lawmakers to improve child services. I think New Jersey is ahead of the country in some areas. We have the best preschool program in the country, but it starts at age three. We have a family leave program, but not a lot of families can access it. So what we feel is we're on a great pathway. We can make it much better. The event, Strolling Thunder, arranged by the group Zero to Three, is part of a nationwide campaign to highlight issues like child care, paid family leave, and services for expectant mothers. About 150 of New Jersey's youngest came out with their moms and a few dads during a rather festive rally. Danelle Robinson will soon be a mother of three. I'm really advocating for child care because I'm learning now how much child care really is. And with three children in child care, that's basically you know, everything that I kind of make. The group, Advocates for Children of New Jersey, says the state is woefully underprepared to take care of the 200,000 New Jersey infants. The group says there are only licensed child care centers to handle about 56,000 of the newborns, leaving parents to turn to other expensive daycare options. A survey by Care.com, a company that helps families find child and senior care, says parents spend an average of 20% of their income on child care. In New Jersey, we need increased funding for early prenatal care. We need support for new parents through home visiting programs. And we need affordable, quality childcare. 
Steve Adubato here. You're just, I want to thank our colleagues at NGTV News for that terrific clip. Um, Cecilia Zakin, let me ask you. You just heard the Assemblywoman Lopez talking about we need dollars, we need resources to do what? Well, I think we need to invest in babies to make sure that they have the best opportunity to grow and develop. Our advocacy is we need to start with childcare. So we were thrilled that Assemblywoman Lopez talked about that. Um, almost 65% of babies have parents in the workforce. There's not enough spaces in licensed centers to take care of them. This is a critical time for brain development. This is a time where children need a nurturing, supportive environment that helps them grow. Um, New Jersey is woefully inadequate on every level in terms of child care for babies. You know, we were up in Vermont, uh, Cecilia and I were up in Vermont. It was a conference with the folks in Vermont and the folks in New Jersey who are engaged in this conversation around infants and toddlers, zero to three, if you will. Uh, the Terrell Fund actually um, sponsored that event. I'm going to ask you something. Vermont is engaged in this. New Jersey is engaged in it. Is the rest of the nation engaged in this conversation, or is it just a couple of states that have funding to do this from private foundations and the philanthropic organizations. Help us understand this. No, I think I think we're the, at the beginning of a movement. Nationally? Sir, nationally. By the way, check out our interview with U.S. Senator Cory Booker yesterday. We talked about this topic. He had a lot to say about it. Go ahead. I do think we're on the, the beginning of a trend toward looking at babies. Many states, like New Jersey, have invested in preschool, which is wonderful. That's the pre-K? Yes, but it starts at age three. And I think people are beginning to realize that a lot of learning goes on before age three. So if you look across the country, you have states taking a look at what's happening to babies. And for babies, the education is childcare. That's where they are outside the family. Um, some states, like New Jersey, Vermont, were part of the Think Babies National Initiative with five other states. We certainly, I think, are ahead of the curve. We have support to take on a campaign. But, you know, we're part of a couple of national networks, and other states are talking about this, too. Let me ask you, we're doing this right before the state budget is, in fact, supposed to be struck. Are there items in this state budget that impact infants and toddlers? Not enough. You know, that was one concern that we had. We were thrilled when Governor Murphy announced his budget, a real emphasis on working families and how do we ensure that families can work. But he left out child care. Hold on. Respectfully, Seal, you were on that transition committee the team, transition team with Governor Murphy, did, did they hear your voice? Yes. And actually, we were able to get a, a, a recommendation around child care into the transition report. Um, I was hopeful, especially when the governor had such a focus on working families. Um, you know, it's a tight budget, but we're very hopeful. We have legislative support to add money to the budget, at least to take a first step to improving access to child care for babies. By the way, real quick on this, uh, I know we're going to credits. Could you put up our, our website, excuse me, real quick, and I'll tell you why. Lieutenant Governor uh, Sheila Oliver was on State of Affairs talking about this. You can't do it. it it's steveadovato.org. Check it out. We got uh, the Senate President talking about this, the Lieutenant Governor talking about this, uh, State Senator Teresa Ruiz talking about this, as I said, Cory Booker talking about it. We'll continue this conversation, Cecilia. But you're hopeful, right? 15 seconds or less. You're hopeful? Yes, we're hopeful. And if nothing else, we brought 160 babies to Trenton to remind our state leaders that babies are important. And that is strolling thunder. <laughs> yes, and you were there with your family. That's all good. Yes, I was. Thank you, Seal. Steve Adubato, this is State of Affairs. Check you out next time. State of Affairs with Steve Adubato is a production of the Caucus Educational Corporation, celebrating over 25 years of broadcast excellence. State of Affairs with Steve Adubato is brought to you from the Agnes Varis NJTV studio at 2 Gateway.
Funding has been provided by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, the Turrell Fund, supporting right from the start NJ, New Jersey Sharing Network, TD Bank, PSENG, St. Joseph's Health, and by Adler Aphasia Center. Promotional support provided by The Record, North Jersey's trusted source and NorthJersey.com. And by Meadowlands Regional Chamber, building essential connections that drive business growth. Autism is one of the fastest growing developmental disorders in the U.S. Here in New Jersey, one in every 41 children is diagnosed with autism. And when a child is diagnosed with autism, every member of the family is affected. While there currently is no cure for autism, early detection and intervention can offer critical improvements for the child and tremendous benefits for the family. To learn more about autism, contact the Binder Autism Center at St. Joseph's Children's Hospital.